الإمام علي بن أبي طالب received a unanimous allegiance to claim the position of Khilafah in the year 35 after the Hijrah. And after the death of the third Khalifa, Uthman ibn Affan, the Muslim community rushed to the residence of Ali ibn Abi Talib in great numbers in which caused a stampede at the doors of his residence. They pushed away Al-Hasan and Hussein as they were guarding the door and they surrendered in front of the son of Abu Talib giving him an unconditional bay'ah begging him to lead the Muslim Ummah an Ummah which was in dire need of humanity an Ummah in which it was in dire need of justice and equality an Ummah which had seen so much corruption and zulm and justice and inequality they even began to attribute zulm and injustice to the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they had not seen justice from the individuals who claim to be the representatives of the last and divine messenger of God those who took the position of power demonstrated so much corruption and inequality and exploited the Muslim Ummah in ways that were unheard of and they justified their acts by stating that this is the fate that God has chosen for you this is the predetermination of God's will and they enforced a school of thought within the Muslim Ummah which was then later known to be as Al-Ash'a'ira or the Jabris Al-Ash'a'ira or the Jabris were individuals who if you were to ask them as injustice, good or bad, they would say we don't know as murder, good or bad, we don't know as lying or hiding the truth, good or bad, we don't know. So what do you know? We know that which religion tells us. If religion tells us truth is good, we say it's good. If religion tells us truth is bad, we say it's bad. If religion tells us that theft is good, we say it's good. If religion tells us theft is bad, then we say it's bad. We follow what religion tells us and they completely undermine the position of the aql and the intellect. And they attributed 
injustice and zulm to the Almighty Allah. Yes, they said, Allah is all-powerful. He gets to be a zalim. We can't complain. He can be unjust. We can't complain. Who are we to complain? And they changed the reality of the religion of Islam. Not the religion of Islam, but the reality of the message of Tawheed and the oneness of Allah. Rasulullah came with the message, the very first statement that he said was, قُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا Say that there is no God besides Allah. Now what is this God? He is the most merciful. He is the most compassionate. He is just. He is equal. He is loving. He is kind. He is forgiving. Yes, the name Allah remained. However, they stripped even God from His qualities. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen came to be the embodiment of justice. The reflection of Allah's mercy and compassion on the face of the earth. He came to be the inheritor of the Anbiya. He came to be the reflection of the teachings of his teacher and his mentor and his beloved and his fatherly figure Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Amir al-Mu'mineen came to show the Muslim ummah and, and the entire world within the course of history and until today that Islam stands for justice. Islam stands for equality. He did not make any exceptions. From the year 35 after Hijrah, for four years and nine months and six days, as the Khilafah was honored by him, Khilafah did not honor Ali. He honored the position of Khilafah as the Khilafah was honored by him, he made no distinction between his children and his family and the poor and the Arab and the non-Arab and the ones who had power and the ones who did not have power. He treated all of God's creation equally with mercy and compassion. History tells us that one of his daughters, Amir al-Mu'mineen had many daughters. One of his daughters came to greet him on the day of Eid al-Adha. On the day of Eid. And she was wearing a pearl necklace. So he said to her, My daughter, who's giving you this pearl necklace? She says to him, Oh father, I wrote a letter to Abu Rafiq. Abu Rafiq was the custodian, the treasurer of the government of Amir al-Mu'mineen. I wrote a letter to Abu Rafiq explaining to him that I am the daughter of Amir al-Mu'mineen, the most powerful man. 
and I do not have any jewelry to wear for the day of Eid. So I have given him a letter to borrow this pearl necklace for three days. And after the third day, I will return it to the treasury. And he's accepted my offer and he's given me the necklace. History says that the color of the face of Amir al-Mu'mineen changed. He stood and he ran to Abu Rafi'. He summoned him, Ya Abu Rafi'. Abu Rafi' came. He says to him, you have committed a huge crime. What is my crime, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen? Have I stolen? What have I done? Where is my corruption? You have allowed my daughter to borrow a pearl necklace without the permission of the Muslims. This pearl necklace belongs to all the Muslims equally. It shall be sold and distributed to all of them. How can you give the necklace to the daughter of Amir al-Mu'mineen just because she is my daughter? Ya Abu Rafi' Go and take the necklace from her and return it to Bayt al-Mal. Abu Rafi' says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I have a written statement from her. He says, if you did not have the written statement, I would have severed your hand and her hands. I would have considered this a theft from Bayt al-Mal. And she would have been the very first person from Bani Hashim with a severed hand. Because of theft. This was the justice of Ali. This was the quality of Ali ibn Abi Talib. He has mesmerized the minds of humanity. If you speak of spirituality, then there you will find the brightest of names to be the name of the son of Abu Talib. If you speak of Irfan, then he is the founder of mysticism you cannot claim to be spiritual or a student of spirituality unless you familiarize yourself with the sweetness of the duas and the supplications of the son of Abu Talib a master of warfare a reformist a person who his knowledge has astonished not just the Muslims, but non-Muslims alike. You cannot claim knowledge and wisdom unless you pick up Nahjul Balagha, the peak of eloquence of the son of Abu Talib. He is not a personality confined to the Shia. He is not a personality confined to the Muslims. But he is a personality that is revered and respected by all of human beings. If you are a human in your heart. And you have a free soul and a free mind. Then your icon and your idol and your hero. And your teacher and your master is no other than Ali ibn Abi Talib. But this man, this very man that we're discussing this evening, he has seen so much injustice 
He has been terrorized since his early days, since he was born, until he died and for hundreds and hundreds of years after his death. They tried to demolish his grave. They cursed him from the top of the members of the Muslims for 90 plus years. They stripped him away from all his qualities. They fought him. They killed those that carried his name and the name of his children. History tells us that Marwan ibn al-Hakam would curse Ali from the member of Rasulullah and the city of Medina at the presence of his son Imam al-Hasan. And he would add Al-Hasan and he would add Hussein. And one day he saw Imam Hassan sitting next to the grave of his grandfather Rasulullah. So he cursed him. And he cursed his father and then he cursed his mother. Imam Hassan looked at him and he says, do you know who you're cursing? You're cursing the woman who is the most purified and immaculate of the progeny of the last and the seal of the messengers and the Quran has witnessed that she is purified. And he reminded him of the Quran. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرِّجْسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَحِّرَكُمْ تَطْهِيرًا But who are you, Ya Marwan? Rasulullah has cursed you before your death, before your birth. His father, Hakam, was cursed by Rasulullah. And Rasulullah says, may Allah curse Hakam. And may Allah curse the progeny of him. This is who you are. They cursed him and they fought him. And they were disloyal to him. And they cheated the history to take the good qualities of Ali and give them to others. They cut the tongues of those who spoke of the fada'il of Ali, but yet today, all around the world, people are mesmerized by him. Why? Why? Because Ali ibn Abi Talib is undoubtedly the mission of Allah. He's the plan of Allah. He started at the sacred Kaaba. His mother Fatima bint Asad, as she is doing the tawaf of the Kaaba, and she is the person who prays prays to Allah, and as she is a follower of the religion of Abraham, she was a Hanif. Then she says, "Oh Allah, make it easy." For me to give this birth, Allah doesn't open the door of the Kaaba for her. Hmm. Allah says, I'm going to open the walls of the Kaaba for you. Fatima bint Asad. Yes, many people will try to tell you Ali was not the first person to be born in the Kaaba. There were other people prior to him. This is all. 
part of their hasad and jealousy and nifaq and hypocrisy. Go and read the history of the Muslim Ummah, the only man who was born inside the Kaaba for three days. His mother was inside the Kaaba, and after the third day, when the Kaaba opened, she came out with the baby. Who was there to receive the baby? Who was there to honor this baby? Who was there then to become the guardian and the custodian of this baby? No other than Rasulullah wa Khatamul Anbiya wa Habibullah. Brothers, either don't do salawat or if you do salawat, you have to do acceptable salawat. This is not the salawat of the muhibb of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Again, not accepted. As much as you love Ali, you have to do a loud salawat. Sallu ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. If you disrespect Ali ibn Abi Talib, if you dishonor Ali ibn Abi Talib, you are dishonoring his teacher and his guardian, Rasulullah. If you undermine the akhlaq and the position and the teachings and the morals and the ethical standards of Ali, you're questioning Rasulullah. But like I said in the previous night, sometimes even Rasulullah is outshined by some personalities. Let us examine the personality of this legend, of this hero, in the following manner. Number one, his birth, his upbringing, and his Islam. Number two, we will examine him at the first stage as a Sahabi and a companion, just like we have examined the rest of the personalities. And then we will examine him as the Khalifa. Whether you consider him your Imam, whether you consider him your first Khalifa, whether you consider him the fourth Khalifa, let me say this before we enter the discussion. Whether you consider him a companion of the Prophet, whether you consider him the cousin and the son-in-law of Rasulullah, Undoubtedly, Ali ibn Abi Talib has played a role in restoring the identity and the originality of the religion of Islam. And this is what we're discussing. I have received emails, I have received messages, Sayyidina, why have you discussed the personality of the second Khalifa Umar and the first Khalifa Abu Bakr and the third Khalifa Uthman? I said, I ask you in the name of Allah the Almighty, have you heard the lectures? They said, no. I said, go listen to them. I am not here to discuss, and like I said, I didn't discuss their birth or their lineage or their personal lives and what the, I didn't discuss any of that. We are here to discuss this important theme. What is the theme? Islam between originality and distortion. Today the Islam that we have, is it the same Islam that Muhammad brought to humanity? Today the Islam that we had, does it reflect the original teachings of Rasulullah? This is the question. 
And this is not just a question that Shia ask, or Sunnis ask, or intellectuals ask, or women ask, or men ask. No, this is the question that every single Muslim is asking today. When you turn on the television, and you find that the limbs of people are being severed, they're being beheaded, Azidi women are taken as captives and sold in the markets. Children in Syria are playing football with the heads of innocent people. Where did this come from? This is what we're discussing. This is what we're trying to achieve. When you see stoning, we discussed it. You take somebody who's committed a sin, fine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has spoken of so much mercy and compassion in the Quran. I don't want to discuss what I discussed two days ago. But you put them in a ditch and you tie their hands and then you stone them till death. You tell me that, that this is part of Islam? Where is this in the Quran? It's not in the Quran. Doesn't the Quran outride everything else? Isn't the Quran the master of all Muslims? Don't we read the Quran in Salat? Taraweeh for 30 days in the month of Ramadan. Where have you come across an eye of stoning? Huh? So many people are asking, where, where, where did this Islam come, from, come to us from? Today, when you find that the Mufti of Saudi Arabia is silent, he's the representative of Islam in the Saudi kingdom, in the Arabian kingdom, the birthplace of Islam. And he is silent while other Muslims are being bombarded and killed. And their children are killed. And they suffer from malnutrition in Yemen. Their neighbors. Allah in the Quran, what does he say? He says, be kind to your neighbors. Even if they are non-believers. Huh? Where is this Islam? Today, this is our discussion. Islam between originality and distortion. This is the most distorted image of Islam that we are looking at today. How did we arrive here? This is what we're discussing, brothers. Don't think that I am picking on personalities that are respected and dear to other people. I don't think that today I'm discussing Ali ibn Abi Talib because I love him or he is dear to us. No, we are discussing history. To see which personality Preserve the originality of Islam and which personality didn't. And let me add, before I enter the discussion, this following statement. What does it mean to be a follower of Ali? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a Shia of Ali ibn Abi Talib? The person that we're discussing now. Does it mean that in Muharram, Give me your undivided attention. I wear black. And some people even there, you know, they go and they order black undergarments because they are super strict about wearing black. Black socks, black jeans, black even hoodies. Because we have to wear black for Imam Hussein. And then in Matam, the one that does it harder than he is the follower of Imam Hussein and Ali ibn Abi Talib. Is this the definition of a follower of Ali? Yes. We wear black. But why? 
to show our sadness to Imam al-Hussein. To honor the majlis of Imam al-Hussein. To honor the name of Imam al-Hussein. Because he is the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Because his path was what? Asiru ala jaddi wa abi. This is what he says in his mission statement that I discussed in the first night. He says, my path is the path of my grandfather and my father, Ali ibn Abi Talib. This is why we revere him. This is why we honor him and respect him. But one, wearing the black only becomes a ritual, a culture. When matam only becomes a ritual, and it becomes nowadays, mashallah, matam, which is the icon of sadness, and reflection of our sorrow and aza has become a, a rock concert. Yeah. People jumping up and down and slapping themselves around, making fools out of the aza of Imam Hussein. And every and you have so many mullah discos. You know mullah discos? You have so many people in the disco singing and you know. But 10 nights of Muharram, they become Noha Khan and they release a couple of uh, you know, clips on YouTube and the clip is more like an Indian movie than the, uh, from Bollywood than the, uh, the Aza of Imam Hussein. This is what we've made Imam Hussein. Is this what it is? Being a Shia of Imam Ali? Wallahi, this is not what it is. And we are doing a disservice to Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen. We are causing pain to the heart of Fatima al-Zahra by some of our own acts. Where? In the house of Hussein. I said this the first night. And I will say it again. What is the value of the member of Imam al-Hussein if it does not speak the truth? What is the value of the member of Imam al-Hussein if it brings no reform? What is the value of the member of Imam al-Hussein if it does not wake our community? If knowledge is not the central theme of this majlis, if the Quran is not the central theme of this majlis, but culture, Fictitious stories. I like I said, I can't go to Hyderabad and Qom and Karbala and Tahran every weekend or every Ashura. So what do I do? I replicate the exact same way that I do things back there, I replicate it here. Not because of Imam al Hussein but because of my cultural identity and my rituals. If today we graduate from the school of Imam al-Hussein and we cannot defend Islam, we have not changed our akhlaq, we have not changed our morals, then the majlis and our attendance at the majalis has failed. Amir al-Mu'mineen stands for truth and equality and justice and humanity and being humble and being kind and being merciful. The result of my presence 
the results of my presence in the majlis should be this. Let us discuss him in the following manner. Number one, his birth, his Islam and his upbringing. Number two, his marriage to Fatima to Zahra. Number three, his presence in Badr, Uhud, Hunayn, Khaybar, and Khandaq. Number four, his position declared by Rasulullah on the day of Ghadir Khum. Number five, as he became a Khalifa. Restoring the financial reform to the Muslim Ummah. Number six, restoring the social justice of Islam to the Ummah. Number seven, restoring the political reform and political equality to the Ummah. Number eight, Restoring the Islamic mysticism and spirituality to the Muslim Ummah. And number nine, restoring the position of ilm and knowledge to the Muslim Ummah. If you are ready to explore this hero, your Imam and our master, Mawlana wa Sayyiduna Amir al-Mu'mineen recite salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. His birth was inside the Kaaba, and he was the only man ever in history that was honored and honored the house of God. He was honored as he was the guest of Allah at the very first moment of his life. And Ali ibn Abi Talib, as a man, honored the stones and the rocks of the holy city, of the holy kaaba and he ended his life inside the masjid of allah he was born in the masjid and he took his last breath in the masjid as he was struck by the sword of ibn muljam and when the chapter of his life ended he happily graduated with an honors stating Fustu Fustu wa Rabbil Kaaba I have become victorious by the Lord of the Kaaba he was received by Rasulullah he was nurtured by Rasulullah he was taught by Rasulullah he was mentored by Rasulullah he says in Nahj al-Balagha I used to follow Rasulullah as a camel would follow, a baby camel would follow the she-camel. When the she-camel walks after the birth of her baby, the baby, every step the mother takes, the baby takes. Everywhere it goes, the baby goes. Every several steps, the she-camel stops. And the baby camel nurtures itself from, her, from his mother. He says, this was my relationship to Rasulullah. He would chew the food and place it in my mouth. 
He would be the one at my cradle. He would be the one putting me on his chest when I went to sleep. And he was the first man to believe in Rasulullah. I say man and some other people will tell you he was the first child. Yeah, he was a child. He was not an adult. But his position was greater than many adults. If you believe in Rasulullah and you believe that Rasulullah was a wise man and you believe that he was ordained to do whatever he did by Allah, then look at the hadith of the indar of the family of Rasulullah. I don't have time to get into the details. What happened there? Rasulullah invited 40 members of his family. He called them to Islam. They rejected one man accepted. And that was Ali, this child that they say is Islam. It was a child. What kind of Islam is the Islam of the child? Rasulullah made his chi this child, according to all the Muslims, his Khalifa and his Wazir in the Hadith, the famous Hadith of the Indar of the 40 family members. Second, we have to examine his marriage to Fatima to Zahra. Obviously, there are many things that need to be discussed about Imam Ali being the companion of Rasulullah and every day of his life. That was a story. But we don't have time, unfortunately. In fact, how can we do justice to Ali? Do you think it's even possible to understand the reality of Ali? It's an impossible task. Rasulullah says to him, Ya Ali, ma arafani illa ant. وَمَا عَرَفَكَ إِلَّا أَنَا يَا عَلِي أَنَا وَأَنْتْ أَبَوَى هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ يَا عَلِي Nobody knows me, my reality besides you. And no one knows you and your reality besides me. يَا عَلِي Me and you are the fathers of this ummah. This is the position of Ali ibn Abi Talib. His marriage to Fatima is indeed one of the most important events in Islamic history. Why? Because every companion asked for the hands of Fatima to Zahra. Go read the books of history. All of them, the first Khalifa, the second Khalifa, the third Khalifa, who was older than Rasulullah, older than Rasulullah, also asked for the hands of Fatima. Every person asked for her hand and Rasulullah rejected and he said, her matter is not in my hand, it is in the hands of Allah. They came to him, they said, Ya Ali, you're the only one who hasn't asked for her hand. Go and ask for her hand. He asked for her hand, you all know the story, she accepted and then the women of Quraysh, the Arabs, they came to give their congrats to Fatima. She had a small home. They came to congratulate her to probably bring her some gifts. Three days later when this process finished, she went crying to Rasulullah. Listen to this. This is, this is the part I want to highlight. She went crying to Rasulullah. Rasulullah says, Ya Fatima, ma abkaki. Why is it that you're crying? You're just married. You should be happy. She says, Oh father, the woman, the Arab woman, they tell me your father disgraced you by marrying you to Ali. 
Because Ali is a poor man. He has nothing. He could have married you to the most prestigious, the richest man of Arabia. They all came and asked for you. He, he kept them all. He, he refused them all. He gave you to this poor guy. This poor man, he has nothing. How is it that your father has honored you by this marriage? She says, Rasulullah says, Ya Fatima, are you unhappy? She says, no, of course, Ya Rasulullah, I'm not unhappy. I am saddened that why is it that they hate my husband so much that they've come to destroy my family? They even came after the family of Ali ibn Abi Talib to split his marriage. This is how much they hated him. This is how much they were jealous of him. They cannot bear the fact that Ali was the closest man to Rasulullah, the beloved of Rasulullah. One of the wives of the Prophet told him straight in his face. She says, Ya Ali, I get one day out of the week with Rasulullah and he gives all his time to you. Discussing with you, teaching you, loving you. One of the reasons why they hated him is because he says there isn't a single house in Arabia unless I have taken one of their men or two of their men or three of their men. Because who was the one fighting in the battlefield? He was the one fighting in the battlefield. They looked at him not as the commander of the army of Rasulullah, not as a soldier of Islam. They looked at him and they said, this guy killed my cousin. This guy killed my brother. This guy killed my father. Second, his presence at the battlefield. We discussed other personalities who ran away from the battlefield. But what about Ali? What did he do in Badr? And what did he do in Uhud? And what did he do in Khaybar? And what did he do in Hunayn? We have no time. You all know the stories, but I'll tell you of Khandaq. You all know the story of Khandaq, but I want to focus on one sentence. In the day of Khandaq, Amr ibn Wad jumped the trench, the ditch. He came in the midst of the Muslims and he says, O oh Muslims, I am Amr ibn Wad al-Amiri al-Qurashi. And I am equivalent to a thousand soldiers. Come, fight me. If you kill me, you send me to hell. If I kill you, I send you to heaven. Come. Imagine the whole Muslim community is afraid to face this man. Rasulullah stands and he says, Man Who is there to fight this man and I guarantee him Jannah? Rasulullah guarantees you Jannah. Rasulullah guarantees you paradise. Nobody stands. Again, Imam Ali stands. Rasulullah says, sit down. The second time, sit down. The third time, Rasulullah says to Ali, Ya Ali, ata'lamu man amr? Ali, do you know who this man is? You're about to go to him. Yes, I know. He's Amr ibn Wud al-Amri. He used to, Amr ibn Wud, he used to walk around with lions. 
He used to wrestle lions. Up until then, his speedometer of war, he had killed a thousand people. Never been defeated. A giant. Says, Ya Rasulullah, I know him. Give me the honor. Fine, we all know the story. Before he left, Rasulullah said this statement. Go bring me one. This is one statement about Ali. Go and look in every book of Islam. Find me one statement similar to this. I'll give up. I'm done here. This is one statement out of thousands of hadiths about Ali. Out of the ayat that praise Ali Abda Abi Talib. I'm saying find me something equivalent to this. Even if it's fabricated. All of Iman has gone to fight all of shirk. All of Iman is embodied in this man, in Ali. And he's going to fight all of shirk. He goes. Amr ibn Wood says to him, who are you and what's your name? Introduce yourself. He says to him, I am Ali ibn Abi Talib. He says, Ali ibn Abi, you're the son of Abu Talib, go back. Your father was a friend of mine. Do you know who I am, Ali? Your cousin was not afraid that I'm going to hold you in my sphere and, and make a mockery out of you. He was not afraid that he's going to lose his son-in-law when he sent you here. I am Abr ibn Wood. Imam Ali looked him dead in the eye and told him, You know who I am? I am the one who my mother called me the lion. You don't want to fight me, I'm here to fight you. They had informed him that a person by this name will kill him. So they say, Amr, for the very first time shared his will. He says to him, if you kill me, Ya Ali, do not take my shield. This shield has been in my family and the honor of our warfare for thousands of years. Don't take this from me. The fight began. I'm not gonna discuss the fight until Amr ibn Wood fell. When Amr ibn Wood fell because he was such a giant, there was dust. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen yelled Allahu Akbar. History tells us, history tells us that Umar ibn al-Khattab went running close to the scene, not to the scene, close to the scene, and he saw that Amr ibn Wood has fallen and Imam Ali is on his chest. So he returned to Rasulullah. He says, Ya Rasulullah, Ali is on the chest of Amr. But then when the dust settled, they saw Ali is walking around the body of Amr ibn Wood. He has not finished him. Then he sat and finished him. They went to his sister, Amr ibn Wood's sister. They said to her, we have bad news for you. So what is the bad? Your brother has been slain. My brother. My brother was slain by whom? By the son of Abu Talib. She says, let me go and visit his she was crying, sir. When she went on his body, they said she stood 
And she started celebrating and clapping. They said to her, have you lost your mind? She says, no. I am honored that a man killed my brother. A hero killed my brother. I said, how do you know? He says, my brother has told me that if I face a man that I believe will kill me, I will tell him not to take my shield. This man killed my brother not because of his foolishness, not because he was there for the war, because he was a man of principles. He left the shield there. I am honored that my brother was killed by such a hero. He was not killed by some random fool. Yes. Even the enemies of Ali praised him. Omar came to him. He said, yeah, Ali, take the shield. You know, that shield is worth so much. He says, the man asked me to leave his shield. I've left it for him. I didn't kill him for the shield. They asked him, yeah, Ali, why didn't you finish him right away? You know, you know, you cannot be a warrior. In that moment, riled up with your emotions and somebody spits you in your face and he stands and he walks around and then he takes him out for the sake of Allah, not his own emotions. This is Ali. When he returned, what did Rasulullah say? This is the statement that I'm, I'm telling you. Please go find me something similar to it. One strike. One strike of Ali. Not the day of Badr, not the day of Uhud, not the day of Hunayn. Only one strike of Ali in one of the battlefields. It is greater than the worship of the Thaqalain, the humans and the jinn. Why? Because he safeguarded Islam. While others ran, while others disappeared, Ali ibn Abi Talib was the one defending the religion of Islam. Rasulullah appointed him in many occasions as his successor, as his brother. But what we don't, we all know that he also reappointed him firmly in the day of Ghadir. What we don't know about Hajjat al-Wida' is that all the Muslims gathered Rasulullah appointed him in Mina. But what did they do in Mina? Listen to this. This is part of our discussion. In Mina, when Rasulullah began to give the sermon to appoint Ali, the Muslim community amongst them, they began to shout. Oh, Allahu Akbar, subhanallah, alhamdulillah. Rasulullah is giving a speech. They didn't want the voice of Rasulullah to be heard. He appointed him again in Arafat. Again, they did the same thing. Rasulullah was going back. Allah sends Jibra'il, Ya Muhammad, Ya ayyuhal rasoolu, Bellig ma unzila ilayka min rabbik. Do the tabligh here. Next to Ghadir Khun, so Rasulullah came with another plan. Every three rows, every four rows, he would keep somebody. He would speak, this person memorizes the sentence, he speaks it loudly. The next person does it, the third. He allocated people who acted like speakers and microphones. So that he destroys the plan of those who didn't want the voice of Rasulullah to be heard by the 120,000 Muslims there.
Go read history. Then they all came and gave him allegiance one by one. That you are our Mawla. But what happened after the death of Rasulullah, we have discussed. Until the 35th year after Hijrah, when he became a democratic elected Khalifa. Because all the Muslims came, gave him allegiance unconditionally. When he took the allegiance, days later he was in his residence. Qambar was his doorman. Came to him, he said to him, Ya Ali, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, there's a delegation from all the Muslim cities, major cities here to greet you and congratulate you with the Khilafah. So please be prepared to receive them. Imam Ali was fixing his sandals. He had a pair of sandals that was ripped, so Imam Ali was fixing the sandals. He raised one pair of the sandals and he told Qambar, Qambar, how much is this sandal worth? So Qambar says, I was ashamed to tell him it's worthless, because it really was worthless. It had been ripped so much, and he had st stitched it so many times. So I said to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, dirham, one, one cent. He told me, Ya Qambar, this whole Khilafah, and this delegation, and all those people, and this position is worth less to me than this pair of sandal. Don't think I care about this. Huh? If I do not give justice to those who justice has been taken away from them. And I do not take away power from those doing injustice. This was Ali ibn Abi Talib. He didn't take power for the sake of power itself. He had the, he, he reformed, he had the role of being the reformist of the ummah. Why, how? Number one, he reformed the financial situation. Yesterday we spoke about the fact that when the third Khalifa died, he left one million times one million. This is history of golden dinars, he left 1,000 of the best of breeds of horses. Imagine today, Bugattis and Ferraris and all those cars, that's what it was, 1,000 of them. 1,000 villages, 1,000 slaves, 1,000... He left this gigantic wealth and he was giving to his family and his friends and Bani Umayyah and he differentiated between the Arabs, amongst the Arabs there were several classes, between Arab and non-Arab. Here is Amir al-Mu'mineen, to restore back the financial corruption to the Muslim Ummah. What did he do? A woman came to him, she says to him, Ya Ali, today we came and we took from Bayt al-Mal, and I am an Arab woman from an elite family, you gave me one dirham. And I have a non-Muslim, non-Arab slave. They also give her one dirham. So I think you made a mistake here. I'm here to tell you, you made a mistake in your calculations. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen took one hand from the soil and the other hand from the dust. He put the dust next to each other. One hand has dust and the other one has dust. 
He says to her, do you see a difference between those two dusts? She says, no. He says to her, you were created from this? And she was created from this. Then he further on went and told her, if the money was mine, I would have given you equally. Now the money is not even mine. If the money was mine, I would have distributed equally. This money does not belong to me. How can I distribute it differently? Allahu huh. Akbar. He came to restore the political situation. He removed many individuals and placed individuals who were godly. He sent Salman to Madain. Salman, they were waiting for the ambassador of the Khalifa, the Sahabi, Salman al-Farsi, at the entrance of Madain. They didn't find him. Then they saw that Salman has already arrived. He says, Salman, how did you come? He says, I came by myself. He was sitting on a mule with a little bag in his hand. He says, this is the ambassador of the Khalifa. This is the ambassador of the Khalifa. Uthman ibn Mad'un, his other representative. Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen writes him a prolonged letter saying to him, Ya Uthman, Uthman ibn Mad'un, I have heard that they invited you to someone's home that was rich. And the poor people could not come to this meeting. You as my representative should not have gone there. You have disappointed me. This is not the akhlaq of the representative of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Social justice. He writes to his ambassador and his governor Malik ibn Ashtar. Malik, those people that you're governing and you're ruling are divided into two parts, two groups. Either your brethren in faith or your brethren in humanity. Be kind to them. Be compassionate to them. Be merciful to them. Don't treat them like your enemies. He restored the spirituality back to Islam. Islam had no spirituality. I told you the Amir drink all night and then come into the, the mahrab and he would stink from smelling like alcohol. He would go on sujood for a very long time. So they thought he's doing ibadah, you know, sujood and they went, they heard him say, I am thirsty, give me more. I am thirsty, give me more. Thirsty for what? So drunk, he doesn't know what he's doing. This was the Amir. But Amir al-Mu'mineen taught them spirituality with his dua, with his munajat, with his recitation of the Quran, with his salat al-layl. They say that every night they would see him in the treasury. He would look at the mountain of gold and silver in front of him. Mountain of gold and silver. And he would say, Ya Safra, O yellow. To Ali, gold is something else. He would look at the gold and he would call it yellow. You're not gold. I don't consider you gold. He would look at the mountain of silver and he would say, O white. You're not silver to me, you're meaningless to me. Ya Safra wa ya Bayda ghurri ghayri Seduce someone else besides me. La hanahi nuki It is not time for you. Qad talaktuki thalathan I have divorced you three times. La raj'ata fiki And I will never take you back. This is how his treatment with the dunya. This is how reinstalled irfan and mysticism 
and the divorce of the dunya back to the Muslim community. And lastly, while knowledge was forgotten, the mimbar was not a place of knowledge. It was a place of dhulm and hypocrisy. But he would sit on the mimbar and he would tell them, Saluni qabla an tafqudooni. Ask me before you lose me. Ask me. Who else had the knowledge, the unlimited capacity to say, ask me before you lose me? I am the city to the gate of the knowledge of Rasulullah. And this man, how did they repay him? How did they repay him? They repaid him with wars. Disuniting the ummah that surrounded him. And on the 21st of Ramadan, after four years and nine months, he was struck by the sword of Ibn Muljam. And the call came to Haddamat Wallah. Arkanul Huda Qutila ibn Ammil Mustafa Qutila Aliyun al Murtada. 